Good morning. So we're going to do a little troubleshooting this morning without paper bulletins. We're going to have a throwback Sunday, so dust off your uh, Bibles in the pews. And uh, turn with me to Proverbs 10, verse 2 is going to be the first passage. We're going to be going through a couple different passages this morning. Proverbs 10, verse 2. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The blessing of the poor makes of the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Next passage is Proverbs 11, verse 4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Turn with me to Proverbs 13, verse 23. An unplowed field produces food for the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. Proverbs 15, verse 16. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Proverbs 16, verse 19. Better to be lowly in spirit with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall is his imagination. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Proverbs 28, verse 6. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his own ways. The rich are wise in their own eyes. One who is poor and discerning sees how deluded they are. Proverbs 30, verse 8. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, or say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. Thank you, Chris. 
appreciate a little bit of the ad-libbing too. Uh, as usual, we will have a time of Q&A after the sermon. We just like to learn further together in that way. So as you're listening, if you want to jot down notes or if questions come to mind, hang on to them and we can talk about it afterwards. Uh, but let's look at these passages and let me say a word of prayer. God, we pray that you would come now and help us to hear your word. Help us to hear from you. Help us to have receptive hearts. We admit that so often our ears are tuned to just what we already believe and we're looking just for confirmation. We pray that today might be a day that we hear something new that's true, even if it's uncomfortable, that we would grow and change. And I pray for myself, God, that you would overcome all of my weaknesses, all of my limitations, that supernaturally this time would be fruitful for the good of your people, for the good of every person here. So we look forward to what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been studying the book of Proverbs, some major themes and topics, uh, looking at practical wisdom for all of life. And one thing that we've been saying is that wisdom is not intelligence. You can actually be smart, you can be well-educated, and have no understanding of how life really works. And we've also said that wisdom isn't the same thing as moral goodness either. That you can actually be a good, even sincere person doing your best in life, but be completely foolish or out of touch with reality. So then what is wisdom? What is it? What are we trying to learn here? Wisdom, first of all, is insight. It's having new eyes, insight, seeing the way that life really is, the way it really works. Wisdom also is skill. So it can be learned, it can be taught, it can be picked up. Wisdom is skill using these insights to handle real life's choices and challenges. And so we've looked at different things that pop up in the book of Proverbs thematically. Wisdom for our words, wisdom for the way we make future plans, wisdom for the way we exert our energy and diligence in the things that we do, wisdom for friendships. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to look at wisdom for how we handle our sexuality, how we handle our emotions, how we parent, how we build a family, all sorts of areas of life because we need wisdom for all of life. We need wisdom because the right thing to do isn't always obvious, is it? You can have the perfect handbook for life. You can have all the commands of Scripture and yet still need skill and eyes to see how to choose wisely and to live well. And isn't this the case for the way that we also handle money? Today's topic Money, how we get it, where, what we're to do with it, how we live with money or without money. This is what we're looking at today. And we're just going to take some of these Proverbs that you heard read, and I'll repeat them again since you don't have them visually in front of you. But we'll just look at a couple different categories. First, the blessing of money. 
We'll see the source of money, the power of money, and then finally the limits of money. Money, its blessing, its source, its power, and its limits. Let's just dive right in. Number one, the blessing of money. It might be interesting or new to you to understand that the basic attitude of the book of Proverbs actually is positive towards money. Yes, it is easily abused. Yes, it can devour your soul. Yes, we are ever tempted to worship money, to treat it like a god in our lives. But we're also reminded that money itself is a gift from God. For example, we heard Proverbs 10 verse 22. Listen again, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Now, let's be careful and let's be clear here. This proverb does remind us that, look, if you follow God's word, walking in wisdom and in faithfulness, that generally speaking, life will work better for you. And sometimes even materially. However, it's important to know that this is not a promise or a guarantee that God will bless you with wealth and riches. That God is going to give you the winning Powerball numbers next week. That God is going to give you a better paying job if you walk with Him, a nicer car, a bigger home. You know, sometimes He will and sometimes He just won't. Proverbs like this one have actually created a lot of misunderstandings and abuses even in the church. Some of you have actually been a victim of those things. A lot of false teaching that's been often called the health and wealth gospel or the prosperity gospel where you're taught name it and claim it or blab it and grab it as they say that if you trust in Jesus he will make you rich which is simply not true and here's one important piece of evidence Jesus Christ the son of God here in flesh walking this world perfectly obedient to God in infinite communion and fellowship with God and yet for him, the blessing of the Lord made him what? Poor. And the blessing of the Lord got him what? Killed. Yes, sometimes God blesses with financial prosperity, but the Bible is also clear that sometimes it's God's blessing. Yes, blessing to the righteous to experience redemptive suffering. To go through seasons of lack that we might learn to depend upon God more wholly and more fully. Hardship that's introduced in life to refine our character, to teach us of the beauty and the sweetness of knowing Jesus as Savior. In fact, the main point of this one verse here, Proverbs 10, 22, isn't to promise us wealth. It's actually to remind us that all of our financial resources come from God. Our translation doesn't show it, but the original Hebrew actually includes a little tiny pronoun, it. <laughs> what a difference it might make. It might make. 
that you could translate the verse like this. Listen carefully. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. That's for emphasis, you know. As in, the blessing of the Lord can make a person rich, it and nothing else. Because everything comes from the hand of God as a kindness of God, as an overflow of God's heart. This is the point, friends, that every penny that you have, whether you've got a lot of them or a few of them, every penny that you have in your name comes to you by the kindness of God. Have you thought of that recently? Whatever financial resources that you have, again, whether you have a lot or you have a little, that whatever resources you have, do you know, do you live as though it's given to you as a gift from God? And if you're getting a paycheck, whether it's big or small, have you thanked God for your paycheck lately? Or do you only complain about it? Do you point to the things that you have in life? Again, whether you have a lot or you feel you have a little, do you point to these things and say, that, that, that right there, the blessing of the Lord and nothing else can account for that. The life that you have, the things that you enjoy, the money you've got in the bank or under your mattress, to be able to point to it and maybe this week to do that in your head or maybe literally one by one the things around you. The blessing of the Lord right there. The blessing of the Lord and nothing else is behind that. What a difference it might make to understand the blessing of money that it comes from God. Number two, secondly, the source of money. That yes, ultimately, these resources come from God, but humanly speaking, where does wealth and resources come from? On the flip side, where does poverty come from as well? Well, the book of Proverbs actually gives us some insight into these things. So first of all, wealth or having resources, even moderate wealth, you might call it middle class wealth. It's important to remember that Proverbs, when it uses the words riches or wealth, it actually has an agrarian farming society in mind. You got some cows, good crops, things to hand over to your kids, make a decent living. That's what it has in mind, not luxurious wealth that we might be more familiar with. But where does it come from? Well, a couple things. Number one, we're reminded that it comes from diligence. Yes, diligence, hard work. Proverbs 10, verse 4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. But is it all simply the work of your own hands? Well, secondly, the Proverbs also acknowledge what we often might call privilege. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 14 acknowledges that houses and wealth are at times inherited from parents. Not all of it can be attributed to just what I do and what I've earned. All of us are beneficiaries in one way or another from what you might describe as unearned blessings, earned by another person but given to you as a gift. Important to keep that in mind. Thirdly, we're reminded also that some wealth can be picked up by wickedness. Not all wealth, of course, is blessed by God. 
Verse 2 of chapter 10 talks about treasures that are gained by wickedness, by dishonesty, by abuse. Chapter 22, verse 16 condemns the one who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth. It's worth thinking about when you think about the things that you have and where you believe they come from. Some of these things might be humbling for us to ponder. But how about the flip side on the side of poverty or just when you're living in lack? Maybe even going through a medium-sized type of financial struggle. Well, what accounts for these things? Number one, the proverb does point out that oftentimes it is because of what we might call personal failure. Bad choices, foolish behavior, moral failure. Look at chapter 10, verse 4 again. Lazy hands make for poverty. Sometimes that is the case. And yet at the same time, At the same time, the book of Proverbs does acknowledge that oftentimes poverty and financial struggle is owing to forces that are outside of ourselves and our choices, that are larger than ourselves and our choices. Sometimes it's the result of social injustices. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 23. An unplowed field produces food for the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. That even in the same book that does say sometimes personal choices are the reason why we struggle financially, it also at the same time acknowledges that sometimes you can do your best and work your hardest and it can feel like the system is rigged against you. Social injustices, oppression, conditions in society where, for example, the judicial system might favor the powerful or the rich. Or the Bible talks about uh, warnings against offering loans with heavy, unjust interests. Or living according to terribly low wages being outside of your control. Sometimes it's one factor, sometimes it's the other. Oftentimes, it's a mixture of both. You could always throw in another cause, what you might call disaster. And that is that sometimes poverty is caused by natural circumstances that bring or keep a person in poverty like famine, fire, or a disabling injury that doesn't allow a person to work. Or a mental disability, a death in a family that causes a person to be a widow or a widower or an orphan. It's helpful to see the complexity of human factors, of natural factors that are behind our wealth. I'll tell you why. Because it keeps us humble. Both in over, keeping us from overly attributing what I have to all that I have done. The sweat of my own brow. This. The trophy of my hard work. Maybe. Maybe. Or keeps us humble in being too quick to point blame or assign blame to people. Oh, this is why this person or that person or this community or that family is struggling in the way that they are. It's more complex than it might seem on the surface. Let's engage that complexity as we understand ourselves and those Around us. Praise God for a scripture that engages that kind of complexity, not giving overly simplistic and easy answers and explanations. Number three, number three, the power of money. 
The power of money, the blessing of money, the source of money, the power of money. Now, oftentimes when we talk about the power of money, we talk about that in the negative sense, the power that money has over us. But actually, there are ways in which the book of Proverbs talks about this power of money in a positive way. That money actually gives you power, a positive ability. And this is how. Number one, it talks about the power to overcome. To overcome hardship, to overcome struggles. Proverbs 10, verse 15. Listen, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Resources, having more funds, resources, material blessings, we're told here, is like a strong city. A, uh, a, a fortress with high walls. A, a protected place of dwelling. It can keep intruders out, protect you against some of the dangers of life. Uh, wealth and money actually has the power to help you overcome hard circumstances. Uh, some of you understand this well because you feel like you don't have a lot and you feel your vulnerability. Some of us that have stuff may miss the point entirely because maybe we take it for granted. The way in which money actually can give you a roof over your head, can actually give you true safety from physical harm and threats. Where money can buy an apartment on a block with less crime, that money can get you healthier food that benefits you physically, there are a myriad of ways in which money actually gives you power to overcome struggle, to overcome some of the hardships of life. This is a blessing. And this, in fact, is what makes not having much or struggling with poverty such a hardship. But it also gives us the power to give. Money gives us the power to give. What we see here in the Proverbs, uh, sort of an invitation, uh, an urge to have those with much to be generous, especially to the poor. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. I mean, listen to that. In the kindness that you show to those around you, what you do unto them, you do unto God. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and He will, res he will reward them for what they have done. A call to be generous to those in need, both those in dire need as well as those just in daily need. Uh, it's an invitation to a, a true lifestyle of generosity. And, and this is where it's important for us to understand. This is daily life. And so it's not simply a call to radical forms of generosity where on rare occasion I give heaping amounts to people, though that's good. But do you know what real, real heroic generosity looks like? It's generosity in everyday life. 
It's when every day you're giving away a little to those around you. Where you see your resources as the first point pointed out as a blessing from God and therefore as a blessing for you with which to bless others. To give with your meals and with your money and with your relationship and with your time and to bring people into life and to show kindness and to meet needs in a consistent and continuous way with little acts of sacrificial generosity. Maybe things that might be barely noticed by the average person. Things that will never win you a Humanitarian of the Year award but certainly adds up to a genuine lifestyle of heroic, sacrificial generosity. Do you, do we in our lives look for ways, look for ways to be generous? Investigate ways to take the things that you have and to give it away. Do we live that way? After all, the Christian faith is one that's the story of a God who has given to us limitless generosity of His own. Surely and truly, even in the time when the book of Proverbs was written in the Old Testament, it was the story of Israel that God has lavished them with blessing after blessing after blessing. And yet now on this side of the cross of Jesus, how much more? Can we say that God has truly poured out Himself infinitely and eternally through the person of His Son? That if we might take the story, the good news of the Gospel, as a supreme story of kindness from God, that as the book of 2 Corinthians says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich having everything, Yet for your sake he became poor, giving up everything for you. In life and limb and in soul and on the cross. So that you by his poverty might become rich and have heaven, have God. That if this becomes the story of your life, the defining story, will it not also make you kind and generous like him? power to give and the power to overcome. Fourthly and lastly, we find here in the Proverbs the limits of money. As we said in the beginning, Proverbs doesn't scoff wealth. In fact, it celebrates it as a blessing from God, but it does recognize its limits. Money can be a blessing, but it can't be everything for you. In fact, the Proverbs list off, and you heard earlier, uh, many other things that are actually better than and more to be desired than, than money. For example, Proverbs 28, verse 6. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Or Proverbs 16, verse 19, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. In other words, character is better than money. Do you believe it? Living with integrity is better than money. Humility is better than money. 
Or Proverbs 15, verse 16, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And that last word can also be translated with restlessness. In other words, peace is better than having a lot of money. Or Proverbs 15, verse 17, better a small serving of vegetables, a little cup of peas, some carrots, a small meal, not having much, better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. In other words, people and rich relationships is better than money. The reason why this is important to note is because sometimes we do have to choose between the two. Sometimes life presents us with a choice. What's it going to be? Preserving your integrity or having a lot. Living a life of humility and modesty or giving up soul for the sake of riches. To have peace in your relationships or to get a prize. To have relationships or to be rich. Given the choice, what would you choose? If if it were to ruin your soul, would you still want it? If it would make you arrogant, would you still pursue it? If you would have to lose a friend over it, would you still lust after it? It's a choice that we often do have to make. This book tells us and raises the question, what choice would you make? But there's one more way that money is shown to be powerless, to be limited, and that's in the area of security. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 and 11, a fascinating set of verses here. Listen, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. As we said before, yes, it... Money and resources gives us power to overcome some hardships. Actually, we find almost the same language in that passage we looked at before. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. Wealth can help us overcome problems in life, make it easier. But here we have a twist. That a rich man finding in his wealth a strong city can be like a high wall just in his imagination, a fantasy. In other words, we're being reminded that we can put too much trust, try to find too much security in our physical and material resources. Because in life's ultimate issues, happiness, peace, salvation, fulfillment, flourishing, meaning, value, money will always let you down. It cannot deliver. Like a high wall in our imagination, we can believe that our financial resources can protect us from everything. You can believe that it can protect you from loss and from heartache, even from death itself. But you know, we're reminded it simply can't. Are you living a fantasy? 
Are, tr- are you trying to cash in from your resources what money cannot get you? Because there are things that money can't buy. Yes, money can make us feel secure and in control and important. But it cannot give us ultimate security, ultimate control, and ultimate significance in life. Only the name of the Lord can give us that. Verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. In the name of the Lord, we find over time and through Scripture, the greatest expression of His personality and His character is Jesus, the name of Jesus. This is your strong tower. This is your security. He is your strong city. He is your fortress, your rock, your protector, your provider. His name is Jesus. That when the hurricanes of hardship come sweeping in, that if you have Him, you can say, Jesus is my strong tower, I run to Him, and I am safe. And when the invaders of recession, or joblessness, or eviction, or fire, or theft, or loss of life come your way, that you can say with confidence, Jesus is my strong city. I run to Him, and I am safe. And most of all, as you live with the reality of the threat of the judgment of God, a God of justice and holiness, who must make all things right, that as you know, as Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4 says, that wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but if you have Jesus... Your substitute for sin. The one who took judgment in your place if you will simply embrace Him as Savior. That you might say, even then and there, Jesus is my strong tower. I run to Him and I am safe. Do you know Him as your ultimate security? Do you know Him as your ultimate treasure? Have you made Him your ultimate source of significance, of importance in life? Because when you have and when you do, not only are you truly secure, you also learn the secret of contentment, of being able to live with what you've got, and no more and no less where you start to learn this mystery of possessing money without letting money possess you. And you learn to pray as the wise men prays in Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9. God, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What a prayer. A prayer never to go broke nor to get too rich that makes your riches or the little that you have, however much you have, a substitute for a true relationship with God. To live in constant dependence upon God and constant generosity 
to fellow man. This here is the invitation. We need wisdom to know how to handle and relate to money. Are you hungry for this wisdom? Are you willing to come and say, God, teach me? I don't know what to do with this stuff, what I have and what I wish I had. Can we come to God looking for wisdom for our money? Let's pray. So God, we come to you asking that you would fill in more blanks as we try to learn and grow and how to live in line with your word. We do need things in life. It's the way you've made this world. But we want to proclaim that more than anything, what we need is you. So thank you for giving yourself to us through your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's marinate in this a little bit. Let's stand and let's sing this song together.